Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast. My name is Adam Bass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And my name's Lips. I'm a tabletop game designer in, well, almost at Boston. Uh-oh, <laughs> something's happening. In a liminal state. I'm back in time. I'm in Boston. I was just thinking about Boston coffee shops the other day. I was thinking about Render, the Render in the South End, and downtown. I never went to Render, never been to Render. It's pretty good. Um, they have, it's one of these, uh, coffee shops in Boston usually have this feature that I haven't seen in a lot of other places. It's a hidden balcony that people leave to go to, but you can never find yourself. One time, <laughs> I went to a coffee shop in Jamaica Plain called Fiore's. Um, they do like a big vegan sandwich that kind of joint and uh someone handed me my food and they're like you can go sit on the balcony it's just around the back and i here's my first mistake <laughs> asking no further questions oh just around the back got it got it and i got the sandwich and then uh, like an adventure game my paths were set up before me path one i exited the restaurant and walked out on the street <laughs> around the building could not see it, no trace, no trace, and then um, came back in with my food, uh, visibly worried, and <laughs> the person behind the counter was like, not saying anything, but could for sure see me. Um, there's usually some screaming children in this restaurant, that's important, um, and then I went into the kitchen by accident. <laughs> hand delivered the sandwich back no 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 this won't do you made it you deserve it and i yeah i uh turned around because that's you know that's like uh the area where in a stealth game where it's hostile territory and you will be shot yeah you just got five stars wanted exactly yeah tanks were rolling and i Gave up, and I sat down in the middle of the restaurant and ate at this tiny room where all the kids are screaming, and you can uh, hire someone to do yoga upon you um, <laughs> on the, the bulletin board. It's one of these restaurants, the funky little bulletin board, which I love. Um, but yeah, that's something I missed about Boston is the secret patio that no one can find. Uh, do you know about Bodega? In Boston. Oh, yeah. Have you been to Bodega? I'm pretty sure I went and just bought gum and didn't actually go. So <laughs> You didn't go deeper? <laughs> it is presented as a bodega that has, like, a secret, very exclusive, like, high-end sneaker store in the back. But to the it's unassuming... It's like Proto's AKA Supreme me, Store. It is a convenience store where one could buy <laughs> a pack of chewing gum. Adam is not a hype beast, so they weren't able to see through the facade. I think you, I never went because it sounds like the most um, shooby kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That you open like a uh, vending machine door. Yeah. Or maybe the cool, like drink cooler or something. Yeah. Um, And. Shocker, every restaurant has a drink cooler that you can open and go into. Every every convenience store. And they will sell you shoes back there. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was like a 
you know, Supreme Hype Beast drop store before there were Supreme drops. Boston is just an ARG citywide. It really is. Well, you know the about the um uh Aqua Teen Hunger Force ARG yes. that happened in Boston and the cops found these boxes that were a part of it and exploded them. Yeah. With, <laughs> with, it was with ordinance. It must have been like 2002, like fresh post 9-11 and everyone was just sketched about everything. But there were yeah. these little LED like Especially Meatball Man. <laughs> Do we just lean it? We're only a couple minutes in, so we could definitely steer away, but... Do we just make Let's see where this goes. the Boston role-playing game right now? <laughs> yeah, probably. This audience, the audience for this episode is going to be limited, and we understand that, but when was when was Brain Trust for everybody, really? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> this one's for our New Englanders only. <laughs> we are going quartent by quartent. <laughs> uh, Boston role-playing game, it is for sure... A trad role-playing game. Every day I woke up in Boston, I could count my hit points. <laughs> um, I just admit, it, it's Fallout 4, huh? Yeah, wow. I guess, it I guess it's been done. The Boston role-playing game is Fallout 4. Yeah. Um, Did you find damn. where you lived in Fallout 4? <laughs> Jamaica Plain was just filled with ghouls. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like... Ghoultopia, so I could it's not like in Fallout three where I could find where I was in Bethesda, Maryland, which is the town. Is that really in Fallout That's 3? for real. Yeah. That because the studio was started oh. this is not funny, but it is true. That yeah, the studio was started in Bethesda and there's this very strange like six road intersection at the mouth of Bethesda and that's where it is. That's kind of cool. Um, I did try to find my apartment, which was at Boylston and Mass Ave. And it is sort of a uh, artistic license <laughs> scale model of Boston <laughs> in the video game. Insofar as uh, the library, which was like half a mile away, was actually just there. <laughs> and my, yeah, it's right my there. My apartment was not. Yeah, they have Boston Common, which is right next to Faneuil Hall, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I liked that version of the Boston, the video game. That's kind of, you know, like the sequel to whatever present day Boston video game stuff, Um, because there were the super mutants, just like in real life. <laughs> um, I played one of the Assassin Cre- Assassin's Creed's that was uh, set in boston but it was like just faneuil hall because it was colonial era like there was no- back on an old swamp barge yeah there was nothing else that was still there when we lived there but uh tell you what did climb that building did jump off the top into a hay bale and did feel satisfied shit felt great i played that uh ancient greece assassin's creed game and that was pretty fun that was pretty good shit I got a code. I just got a PS5, which I'm very pleased about. And we are turning into a video game podcast accordingly. So I did get a download key. We are evolving from Boston to <laughs> video games. For uh, Valhalla, for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I haven't played it yet, but I don't know. I might. 
Yeah, I like how there is this, um, you know, the simultaneous wave of lots of video games exploring different parts of Norse mythology. And the most that the world has ever been aware that white supremacists love Nordic mythology. <laughs> and and it's no, interesting. seemingly no attempt to differentiate the two. No, not really. Not really. Um, yeah, you got that God of War game. There's that Minecraft Norse game what? that lots of people were playing. It was like a, you know, builder, survival builder, mm. Norse-ish thing. Um, and yeah, and then that Assassin's Creed game, it's strange. Um, Nordic mythology is interesting for sure, but, but yeah, <laughs> but I also don't like Nazi shit. <laughs> yeah. M- my main thing is that if Nazis think something is cool, I'll try and find out <laughs> what not to like. <laughs> usually a good indicator of something that's not that cool yeah i i have it pretty easy that i don't really have an ear for like black metal or anything like that so mm, i can yeah. just not not touch it but i know that they're yeah it's a you know, minefield i'm i'm painting a very broad brush but i know people like ed blair for example and you do the work to figure out who is um who is a nazi and who is not <laughs> yeah it's it's it can be hard but uh, we really okay. Uh, so now we've kind of wiggled ourselves into, into a, a strange new... corner so far. Yeah. Uh, let's keep on going. This is this is a morph episode. We are morphing from from topic to topic. It yeah okay. Uh, where are we now? I want you to roll me a dice. Do you have any dice in front of you? Yeah, I have the whole set. <laughs> you name it. Uh, D four. It's from playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, we should talk about that. Adam and I have been playing Advanced Dungeons and Dragons with some buddies in the Brain Trust. And uh, what do you think? Um, I enjoy it. It's certainly arcane. <laughs> yeah. There is something that I think will never get old about standing in the first room of a dungeon ready to go. I think that that... I haven't felt that as a game player in an extremely long time. Yeah, I the last time I did was probably three years ago when I played Dungeon Crawl Classics for the first time. And yeah. I think those both share just that it like the not even OSR, but just like the actually old school mentality yeah. of like this is why right. we play these. Or this is what this game does. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, in the first room, there was a, a big slug, big snail, that one-shot Matt Fennell, our wizard, and that was <laughs> very funny. <laughs> that was very funny to me. Yep. I I struggle because I know with that group of people that I would have fun regardless, you know? Yeah. And exactly. I don't think that's a bad thing. This is um uh, I'm treading on whether or not system matters. Uh-oh. I think for something like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons or Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, um it is really important to hold in your mind the literal space that like Gygax and crew were playing this game, which was just like a ton of fucking people stuffed in this house 
with card tables everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it is just kind of a blast like that. Right. I, I do think there is innately, and I think that's also, again, a benefit of our, our player group is that just like everyone's on the level to do this for this reason. You know, like we could play any game. We could uh, do fantasy. We could do dungeon crawls. But like we're doing this and we're doing it in the most in, – in a way that feels like we're trying to channel that energy. Like we are trying Some to str- time travel to 1978 or whatever to live. Straight no chaser kind of shit. Yeah. And it does and feel – it can feel clunky and, and weird, but that's like part of its charm. Exactly. A large part that, of the like, charm. Yeah, that we have the, like, we play open book, and so a lot of the interest and uh, joy of it is, like, as together as a group, referencing the rules and figuring out what's going to happen and all of that stuff. Yeah, I still have not seen a rule. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't download the PDF and I didn't read the rules. I was just like, the other players will help me out. Um and it's worked out so far. My character sheet is, is incomprehensible to me. Oh my god, the AD&D character sheet is silly. It is silly shit. Yeah, um, it's a rough it's a rough go. It's a lot of numbers and I don't I don't know what all the abbreviations are supposed to stand for. Yeah. Yeah, how do you go I'm trying to even understand how you would lay out something in a book in 1976 <laughs> yeah you have to tape it and xerox it <laughs> is that it the, like the true someone DIY has to energy draw it i don't know anyway um <laughs> so you have to take it to a local monk <laughs> then figures it out uh you just fax everybody else the game um but yeah that's fun that's a fun little thing to play advanced dungeons and dragons we know that we're not here for a long time, but we're here for a good time. Yeah, and we've mentioned it's been a long time, but when we were playing uh, first edition Gamma World in the Brain Trust with the Heckheads, um, yes. there's something to that uh, anthropological play, is how I described it to someone the other day, of like we're playing it to sort of understand why it was significant 40 years ago and just what it felt like to experience. Because we obviously have the privilege of infinite games and infinite, infinite style. <laughs> right. So We're living in the future. What the fuck is like, what is, what are these games that kind of were the bedrock that we emerged from? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think like next up, I'd love to play the Rocky and Bullwinkle game. That would be like, a blast. Get some more of that. Um, and of course, the Dallas role playing game. Yeah, I'm on board for all that. I do have. It's actually the Bullwinkle and Rocky. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, 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 so sorry, 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 sorry. I was trying to describe that to someone the other day too. Of just like, it was always Rocky and Bullwinkle. Why is the game Bullwinkle and Rocky? Isn't there some kind of like in-game explanation for why that's the? There deal? might be. There's a lot of really fun blending of, of like meta and weird stuff, stuff going on in the rule book and how it addresses you and stuff. And of course, there are plastic hand puppets for every character. 
so yeah, that you can so you're just playing puppets and it fucking rules. That's great. Fuck yeah. What what's on your to play list right now? Um in terms of aside from every game you have gotten in the mail for the last few years, yeah. it's for me. Yeah. Same deal. Unfortunately, I have that, but a lot of those have now become just like the read pile even like I let it back up this year pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'm fucked. I'm, f- I'm. It's got me fucked up. I I do want to play uh, Ark by Momados really badly. Yes, it's it's beautiful. The book is stunning. Uh, I I want to play Zombie World. I'm not a big oh yeah. I'm not a big zombie fan, but um, I think that game is novel. Um. I think there's a lot about it that's really interesting, and of course, I love a card game. So, yeah, I think you in particular. I got to play that game when I was in Boston, and it was just great. It, it was so fast and fun. And uh, as I'm looking around my shelves, there are a couple games I've only got to play once, which I almost feel like it doesn't count. But something like Dialect, which is just like such a cool unique experience that I want to have more times. What we were talking earlier about how campfire works so well with multiple plays and getting to do the same thing differently. I would love, I would love to just play dialect with more different diverse people and just see like, yeah, what it's like to play without my normal game group and how, cause that game is just so smart too. And just like, it's one of those that you don't necessarily have to be familiar with games to to be awesome at because it's just like storytelling and understanding and making slang and like language and I don't know it's it's just a it's a real treat. Have you ever got to play it? No, not yet. I want to play it desperately. Yeah, it's really unique. I've ne- I've never had a an RPG experience like that. Um the closest thing I think would be down like the first time I played Downfall, which uh, oh I haven't played that either was my first GMless game I think, um, and just like yeah it really opened up my eyes to a different style of play and a different style of collaboration, and I think there are obviously games like that still being made and still being released, but those were so pivotal to me in that kind of. Uh, putting eye drops in your eye and watching your pupils turn into like rainbows and <laughs> just seeing a whole nother the, world. The pupation face. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I, I really want to play those more times and, and see how, how diverse those experiences can be. Hell yeah. I did roll a three on the D four <laughs> like 12 okay. minutes ago. Yeah. Let me, <laughs> let me just check the table on that one. Uh, we do have. We did a long time ago make an episode generator. Do you just have it on hand? That do you remember wild. that? I do. I I'm gonna pull it up on the, on the podcast. It was like app. <laughs> I feel like there was a 25. Holy shit! We've done. We didn't try. <laughs> we've done 82 episodes. <laughs> I think it might be time to pack up. <laughs> That's fucked up. Well, you don't. We might have overstayed our welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Okay. It says right here that we get to uh, share an unrelated anecdote. 
about our lives. Oh, good, because we haven't done that on the show in quite a while. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not really yet. The uh, person who brought the pallet of books um, to my apartment today, uh, Dwelling just came from the printer, so um, we are prepping to ship that out. Seb's Game Dwelling, which is available for pre-order at goodluckpress.co right now. Solo Game for Ghosts. Uh, moved 17 boxes together, Seb, up to the four, fourth floor. A lot of carrying stuff. The guy did ask if I wanted to keep the pallet. Um, yeah, buddy. I'll keep the little pallet. When I've... Every... When I got Babes and when I got Necronautilus, they were both delivered on pallets. And there was no question. They did just leave the pallet. <laughs> I did I did gain a pallet each time. And then each time I was forced to uh, dismantle and dispose of the, those pallets. A pallet is like a little toy in your box of Cracker Jacks. <laughs> it's just a fun little... Um, uh, we didn't keep the pallet because... I already have a bed frame, actually. I don't need a pallet. <laughs> uh, but when I used to work uh, at a publisher that went to Gen Con, I would help with setup and breakdown. And one of the parts that I remember most and that I found most interesting was I had to go to the back where the loading trucks are and steal some good pallets. I had to <laughs> seek and destroy. Yeah, like no cracks, perfect palette. So I really appreciate a nice palette. Um, I guess the reason that I was left mine is that they were very not nice. They were garbage. <laughs> They're fucked up palettes. Yeah, um, Pallets. That's where. That's what we're talking about now, right here on the Brain Trust. Pallet wood. We've been going for a little bit. Do you, should we just keep on doing it? In two thousand and ten, <laughs> I, with our guitar player Chad, he and I would go and steal pallets from dumpsters, and then dismantled the wood to build a eighteen foot wide by fourteen feet tall. Uh, wooden wall in the middle of the forest that uh then i like put wheat paste over and painted and stuff and then that was the cover of our second record but that was my most fond palette memory (laughs) (laughs) gotta say of all the palettes i've interacted with that was uh one of my faves wow uh, I guess my favorite palette memory would be running whirling dervish style around a palette with the plastic that you use to palette to palletize stuff. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a bunch of boxes on a palette, and you need to get them all cling wrapped up, right? Yes. So oh yeah, there's I the... got to yeah, do okay. that. And I just got to run around it. I just assumed there was a device for this. It's called Will Yopes. <laughs> <laughs> you get one of those. Uh, the the person called it something other than a pallet today. He called it like a skiff or something. Uh, I wonder if that's like a a toony thing, you know? A toony thing. Yes, the two dollar coin. Uh yeah, let's take your break and calibrate. We're fucking us one up. Great. Yeah. <laughs>
manuscript of torque so i learned a lot about writing uh d66 lists and stuff yeah i didn't really a write a lot one. of those in the past but i did a lot for torque because it needed it but that's something um sounds good to me because i'm not doing shit i'm on staycation that's good that's actually really good though after four school i crunched four schools to get it done on the last day of september because uh, with Patreon, it's it's a monthly thing, so like I, I had to do it that day, or I just wasn't going to do it. And mm-hmm. then with Candy Teeth, it was kind of the same thing. I kind of called my shot and announced it on Twitter before I was actually done. And then I made myself have a couple bad days. Uh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but it's I, weird when that happens. I caught up and I got it. the the biggest thing that was a major pain in the ass was I was counting on printing cards. And then the day it was going to go to print, I learned that it was a six-week turnaround for cards instead of two. And I had to hard pivot into, like, how I was going to produce this physical game. And I'm happy with the format of just, like, it's a zine and you cut the cards out. And I I really actually hope that that's a thing that I can – I mean, I'm not – I didn't invent it, but I think just by putting it out there as, like, a visually nice – game yeah that it gets some people's attention and they go oh i can make a card game without buying cards because that rules it is yeah. a format that i i and i mentioned earlier i like a card-based role-playing game i think there's a lot of potential there but the manufacturing is usually uh kind of out of scope for a lot of people so hopefully this is like a oh cool i can do that more more than the game's fine it's got a lot of campfire dna in it and it's um it's slick, it's cool, but I think the format that cut and paste kind of that and that's something we were talking about in private the other day too of just like making stuff crafty for craft sake. Yeah. Um s- yeah. same with the the good luck press Halloween zine bundle of just like yes, they're fun, right? Like they're not backbreakers, they're not anxiety inducers they they can it's not a half year production yeah Yeah. just just put it out or um yeah zines you make yourself zines you send your friends like just keeping that energy and that excitement that you have for creating things um not separate from but like keeping it safe protecting that yeah yeah your your sort of work-minded or income-minded output yeah, since we had that conversation, I've been thinking about what I could do. And I think it's like, I am obviously still trying to think about it in how can I improve what I do in some way while doing that. And I think just like writing more, like doing, never having to rebuild my writing muscles when writing a game. Yeah. So it might be something like that. I just wanted to do a uh, Sada fanzine from The Ring. Um, oh yeah, that that sounds like a fun thing to do. Uh, she's awesome. I th- I think fanzines are my solution here. 
and doing the one I did cinema scraps last week and it was just you know 200 word recommendations of horror movies because I've spent most of this year watching horror movies um but it's very casual it's in a very laid back voice effectively speech um that felt like writing a postcard to your friend you know that felt like it wasn't necessarily for presentation even though i let people read it or download it or whatever um and i think that doing that also kind of gave me ideas for ways i would want to engage with that in the future of how i can just like nice share things i care about do them in crafty ways that don't feel worky and are still like I get to do something with my hands. Uh, I'll draw pictures or whatever. Like it's kind of scratching a lot of itches simultaneously. Right. And then I do think there is an aspect of it that keeps those muscles in shape for when I do pursue a game project and I go into layout or I go into illustration and I'm messing with the scanner and stuff like like you said I don't I, it's not so dusty it's not a such a big gap between <laughs> even though babes was the last real deal book that I read wrote in January um I still write things so hopefully right, exactly pursuing writing in a more serious way with with cyber metal which hopefully I uh, seemingly is my next big one again still again still um uh hopefully that comes more naturally than the struggle that I kind of went through with, with writing for four skulls. Right. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, I find that like doing writing for client projects and for other people, I've much, a much harder time doing that. So I just need to like kind of protect the, these two hours in the morning where I am the best at writing. And I've really figured that out with the last, you know, few months of, baking torque it's like i get absolutely great stuff done and it's so clear when i try and write at any other time and it's just like pulling teeth pulling horrible car teeth (laughs) yeah so maybe it's fanzines i like messing around with layout tutorials i see on youtube that's like the main way i get better at that stuff and just nice to have a dumb little project to do with that that I, I do get that benefit from World Champ a lot of, like, soft rebranding. Like, doing my Twitter headline or header and making it match the icon. And nice. Like, I'll yeah. do, you know, like, I'll do the Halloween one or the Black Metal one or the Winter one or whatever. And just sort of getting to play with aspects of visual design and what they convey, um, even though those don't necessarily matter your like your twitter I love icon how you or do those. it it feels fun it keeps it fresh for me and it's also like with the tutorials like i'm flexing stuff i'm trying it out if there's like a runaway hit then i could make stickers or whatever and just kind of like, <coughs> it's not for nothing but it can be for nothing and still feel worth doing yeah you like file away a new little design thing in your back pocket i think that's like in the past, 
I have just been using exclusively iPhone notes to draft games and game ideas and I tag them all and I'm like getting we get really good on this podcast just like whipping up a game into shape in an hour or less usually and just doing that even faster on my phone so I just now have so many potential things or pieces of games just in my iPhone notes that like literally over the weekend I wrote a bunch of stuff for Torque because I just had to stop thinking about it and I couldn't open my computer and work on it because I'm not allowed <laughs> by myself and I just popped on my phone and just copied word for word <laughs> what I did and it was just like okay great I'm kind of it's wow it's this feeling when working on a game for so long that you get really good at designing it um, and that's why the Shigeru Miyamoto thing is that you uh, make your first level last because you know everything about your game and oh. you will do the best possible tutorial of your game once you've written everything. And that's obviously for a video game, so you've worked on the second to 66th level. But for role-playing games, if you have a tutorial adventure, you know, making sure that's the last thing to come out makes it all cohesive in this really great way yeah that's that's interesting because that's a thing i do not as intentionally it's just my least favorite part to write so i leave it for the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um i also have heard the advice that like don't save all of the interesting narrative writing for last because it's the most emotionally yeah challenging to write like you need to be the most creative, and typically, if you're crunching on a project, that's your worst possible time. Yeah. Um, with Necronautilus, again, this wasn't deliberate, but that's the way I approached it. And I got to write all of the sort of overarching setting stuff of what is a death and what is a death agent and all that first before writing the core mechanics and then circling back to expand on the setting stuff into like oh, that's cool. adventure design. And once I have a better idea of like spacefaring and all that. And so, and then I think the book has a sort of nice flow to it too. Insofar as you get drenched in theme so that you care, like it, it asks the reader to care early, then you get rules yeah. and it's like, okay, now I know what to do. And now that you know what to do and that you care, you want to read the rest, which is basically like how to use the tools that you've just downloaded. Yeah, I think that's like that's the prestige right there. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping to that's do with the method. Cyber Metal. Yeah. I think it works. I mean, I think Morkborg does this too. It's front loads a lot of flavor text and a lot of in fiction text before getting to the core rules because it wants you to be immersed in what Morkborg is. Yeah, the trick there is that all of the interstitial stuff is gameable. Yes. Like, you can bring everything into your game. Yeah, it threads that really fine needle of what is a rule and what is a concept, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. I think, obviously, they do it really well. Um, something that I aspire to, and I think I try to put... I, I even... Um, with Babes, uh, having Seb do poems as these sort of section headers um, accomplishes this too of like, in this bit, we're going to talk about 
the the fiend like the enemy of your story and rather than presenting it just as explicitly as i did like here is this poem that kids might tell on the playground about this evil force like you get yeah an almost in world approach to the concept before you're told how to engage with it in a in a gamey kind of way nice yeah i'm trying to do something like that but with having like rules text sections broken kind of like what we did with campfire having the camp keeper come up and chat Mm -hmm. with you in the in the margins between stuff and usually at the end of learning a rule so the secret sauce is that you will remember the rule better because there was an interesting little camp keeper screech pun happening at the bottom yeah so it's it, it is a visual and humor landmark that works within the genre too. So in Torque, I have all this, um, this like kind of compartmentalized setting slash flavory things that will be just a single page in between sections of rules. So you have like interesting stuff about the strange world and gamified bits of that. So like a random table or something like that. And I just have like really popped off writing these d66 tables i kind of avoided writing pick lists and stuff like this big long tables and i just got really good at them and finding my own voice inside of them and it's just so much fun that's exciting um writing long tables is interesting and can be really difficult um because you always think start like 36 with, entries yeah, is you, you always have a dozen bangers and then you're like oh yeah that's not even half oh fuck what did i commit to <laughs> why didn't i do d12 yeah the the thing about 36 here's kind of what i discovered that just as you said the the 12 that made you make this table are there for sure and then there are a couple where you just spend the whole time thinking of like okay how am i going to get 10 more And then you write like 16 good ones after that. And then you go back and make those other middle ones better. And yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? It's almost long enough that it asks you to look at it more critically or you'll come up with a cool idea later in the process and you can let that feed earlier ideas that you thought were maybe passe, even just like, adding an adjective to making something more rich or in, in fiction, you know, like immersive um, because you've set a precedent with some of these later entries. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at them right now. Something I started doing that I went and added to all of them. is just adding one entry for all the tables that was just the word hypothetical. So like you could just have a hypothetical steering wheel in your thing. And I just like, (laughs) Love that idea so much, and I just put it everywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, hypothetically, your car has a chassis. Like, I, I did that a lot in Necronautilus of just taking some of these words. And, like, I've noticed – I think that was maybe the first time that I noticed doing this in my process. But a game with, like, Ether Operations was super deliberate about it. But basically making, like, word clouds, or I was doing them in, yes. in spreadsheets, and just being like – yeah, I'm going to put soul in there or crystal and I'm just like you know, a a witch that wants uh an offering sounds great, but
but a crystal witch that wants a soul offering is fucking it. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All it took was these couple words that are immersive. And you know, I I'm sure Torque. I love the hypothetical one, but even in a more, <laughs> uh, I I guess a less abstract one like using car things like oily or whatever it's just like yeah right yeah cool now i have not only made something more interesting just through like really basic language but also it asks the player to infer more details about it right yeah it it you have to like make sense it's the uh into the odd or electric bastion land thing where you're given this seemingly unconnected list of things and then a description and then you as the player make a connection whether you wanted to or not about what's going on yeah i think that's a a really killer fun thing to play with um in design and as a player that was my goal with how necronautilus planets work you know saying like this moth ridden planet like you have to make that work you have to describe that and you have to figure out you know who lives there why is why are you going there all that shit is consequence of just like throwing one fucked up adjective at it yeah that's great uh do you want to roll up a torque car right now do i ever okay give me so we're gonna figure out the chassis first okay. uh give me d36 now, I do have the set of seven here, but I don't have a 36-sided one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I got 51. Uh, what does that mean? 5-1. <laughs> um, oh, I wrote all these to be it, 1 to 36. Uh, yeah, so a D, D66, the first D6 is the tens digit, and then the second. So it's like you have... 11 through 16, 21 through 26, 31 through 36. Mm. So f- No way I'm figuring that out now. No, just uh, <laughs> drop your finger on the chart towards the end. Uh, you have a silly chassis. Yep. Yep. Wacky races. <laughs> uh, and then we got to figure out uh, what's under the hood. Okay. I got a 41, so give me something in the middle. Pure crude. What? Pure crude? Pure crude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is what is on the dash. 22. Dash cam. <laughs> Just have a dash cam up there. And what's in the back? 41 again. Where's that in the middle? Yeah. A 30 rack of rare soda. Love it. Uh, and next up, uh, we got steering wheel placement. Roll me a D12. That's a 15, so pretty early. Uh, I'll take that for what a steering wheel look like, but give me a D12 for where it is in the car. 11. Uh, mental. It's a mental steering wheel. <laughs> um, and it looks like a chunky gamepad controller. I love it. What kind of car you got? So I'm picturing... Mine is like a fluid sack 
that it <laughs> is it's basically like driving a waterbed and i and i'm actually swimming inside of it like i'm in this like Jesus. amniotic fluid um yeah the and so it's uh it's like that the uh what is that pokemon uh Renu- renuclei or something like that um oh i know what you're talking about it's basically a fetus inside of a, a like an orb <laughs> and it's a psychic cool. pokemon um yeah so i'm picturing that of but it's all it's like it's oil it's black like you can't see in uh because it's all it's pure crude so yeah it's effectively like if you were on the outside you're just seeing effectively this big water balloon of black oil that like (laughs) darker than the night sky just like sloshing around the desert um but inside i and, and like i yeah my character can just breathe in it it's like one with the oil um yeah you're like uh shinji akari in the ava yes yeah um and just i think the soda is actually like it's not for me it's for the car like (laughs) like, the car as to you pop a can the carbonic bubbles of the car yeah the bubbles like oxidize the oil in some way and you get these sort of like um you know when you rub your eyes and you can see just like blotches of color kind of floating around? Yeah. That's what it looks yeah. like inside this floating crude oil bubble. And that's how I can like communicate with other drivers. Like it's there's no fucking CV in here. It's like squids <laughs> yeah. that ch- change their color to communicate in the ocean. Uh And I yeah, I plug in. So I think the oil actually like courses through my bloodstream. And I just have, like, in on one side and out on the other. So it's – I'm constantly being transfused with the vehicle. Uh, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> and that's just from well, rolling a couple dice. That's, yeah, I was I was thinking of all that. Like, I should probably add um, what sound does the vehicle make? On a dice table, or are you asking me? Because this is a sloshy sound. <laughs> it's a slosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm trying to see if I have any like areas that were confused. But you did such a good job with that. I don't fucking think so. And that's the sloshing noise of the car. Yeah, I'm holding up my. Oh, I'm holding up my espresso tonic to the mic. Yeah. Vroom. <laughs> that's vroom. Yeah, it just became really, really fun to make these and. Uh, a good way to like write when I didn't want to write rules and I could just fill out this stuff that tells you so much about the world without being definitive. That stuff's yeah, that's exceptionally fun to me. That's part of the hurdle of cyber metal is like needing to give you some explicit truths and still give you enough wiggle room. But I don't know. I don't think that's like a conceptual hurdle. I think that's a me thing of like, I've always steered clear of saying this is true and this is how it is. So I'll get there, but yeah, I find the, the absolute hardest part is providing a comprehensive toolkit and a good book. Yes. Yeah. Cause you want it to be both. And I just want it to like any question that you have about how to p- plug stuff in for a GM list game. I just need to have that, but it's like, how much stuff do I have? And, what comes later and what 
how much work is this worth? And I've definitely worked, I mean, so far beyond my rate on this that, you know, it's just something that I want to live forever. So I don't want to have to make a second edition really quick. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel, uh, I know we did. I feel like we're done. I feel like he did it. I feel like we did it. Um, is there anything else we could talk about? Um, let's you want to let's just do like a status update. So torque is the manuscript's done. What? Yeah, I the it's back from edits. Seb edited it, did a great job. I finished those edits, and now I am putting the finishing touches and finishing up the first adventure, but. Right now, I'm trying to figure out whether that adventure goes in the zine or is a free download with the zine. Because um, it's going to include like stuff you cut out and put on the table and stuff like that. So Right. Uh, yeah. What's your opinion on that? I think I would like it separate, but also be- not just for the cutting out reasons, but because that allows the f- subsequent adventures to match the format. So it's uniform. That's that's a good idea. Even yeah. even if it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be uniform. But the idea of like, the book is the rule book is the X. This adventure is Y. The next adventure could be Y also, but it could also just be Z. Like basically, separating supplements from core. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Because I I think it serves a lot of function. It serves an aesthetic value to say, like, this one thing is the most important. You know, the core book is the heart of this game. But it also allows players to quickly parse, do I want this and that? Also, like, when it's on your shelf, you know, you can say, we're playing this, and here are the supplements for it. Like, they're separate, but they can be in some shared format or whatever. Um and it allows you the opportunity, like, if you wanted to eventually do, like, a boxed set or some kind of compilation to, like, revisit right. that format. This game is, like, dying for some actual dumb minis and yeah. stuff like that, so. <clears throat> Which is a problem. It shouldn't be doing that, but, yeah, I think you just saved me a week of work. So, yeah, <laughs> Torque is going to go into layout later this week. Uh, it's looking great. Um after when I get Torque to layout, my writing time shifts over to this Discord has ghosts in it, which updated. I'm getting uh, words in from other f- freelance writers working, and uh, I'm keeping it a secret because it's just so cool, and I want to just have it all ready for you. But stuff's looking good. Um, and the other thing I'm working on is the zine I Contain Fear. F- which is a roll for shoes hack where you start with nothing and you leave with uh, a, just a mosaic of stuff you're scared of um, for the good luck press Halloween zine bundle at goodluckpress.co. That's all exciting stuff. I think I bought it all already. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you did. Uh, campfire is coming very soon. We have pretty much Kapow. everything in house. Ooh, that reminds me that tomorrow as a recording, uh, the rule books should be arriving. So the only thing missing now are the cards and we have no ETA on them because that's how production <laughs> is in 2021 and we're all doing our best. Yep. Um, so that's great. I mean, it's beautiful. Everything that's in-house is beautiful. It's a great game. I'm, I'm excited for that to go out. Um, it's so good. 
we'll hopefully be able to make a cool digital deck to drop when it comes out. Yeah. Um, Cyber Metal, I think I'm going to postpone till the new year, till January, so that I can kind of just re find my balance <laughs> with the final months of the year. Hell yeah, that's the best news I've heard all year. Focus on uh, getting my stuff out to distributors and doing sales and stuff for the holiday season. I do still plan to do one more zine this year that I've been keeping close to the chest, so I'll maintain that secret along with the, the Discord ghost <laughs> secret. Um, I'll tell you right now, but you can censor this, that uh, yeah, great. this second issue of Stellar Remnants is all written. I just have to illustrate it, so I'm going to do that this month and put it oh, out in November. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do some merch. I'm gonna, I got some really great Death Metal World Champ logos that I'm going to do. Uh, like koozies and tote bags and just kind of have some stuff in the store that's fun and uh sending i'm getting a necronautilus reprint which is gonna be a headache but it's it's worth it (laughs) and other than that yeah uh candy teeth is available now at worldchamp.io slash store and yeah just gonna be riding out the rest of the year with what i've got and treating it nicely and respecting myself and <laughs> yeah getting orders out in a timely fashion which is always important to me especially at the end of the year because i know people get more nervous and also know that the postal service does get more stressed so um yeah i've i've seen 143 movies as of right now out of this year out of my goal of 150 so excited about that <laughs> i don't know Breezy. I keep on recommending Adam watch two and a half to three hour movies to really, <laughs> to really slow doing down it. my pace. <laughs> really throw a wrench. I have a vested interest in Adam not completing. This I watched. Task. I watched a sixty seven minute movie yesterday between when I had therapy in the morning and when I had a lunch a lunch appointment. So I was like, yeah, let me just sneak this one in here. Easy Tetsuo. And then, then it was Tetsuo, and it fucked up my whole day. <laughs> yeah um zine quest is coming up uh and my brother's gonna probably do something but if you've got a manuscript that you need an editor for hit me up i have got zine quest slots open um i have a good rate so many people tell me that um which probably means it's gotta go up soon so <laughs> get me well it's well it's right here um i'd love to yeah, do some uh, cover art or some lettering or something for zine questies too if that's something that you're after, I don't think I want to do a full on illustration project, but I would love to make your, uh, the title of your game impossible to read. That's my bread and butter. Uh, Adam does some of the nicest, uh, title work and logo type in the biz and in graphic design in general. So that is a steal at any price. Um, and why not hire both of us? What if even that would be interesting. (laughs) The, The dream team. We wouldn't, we would both like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'd like it so much, we're not putting it on sale, but you will have to pay us 10% more <laughs> to work together. Uh, anyway, I don't know why I'm vamping to get to uh, an hour, but that's it. Um, we have a Discord. I believe tonight we're playing a... Uh, Super Smash Brothers tournament or sometime this week, so come hang. 
Uh, I'm going to play Sora, and I'm going to change things. Things are things are going to change. There is the before time, and there is the after time. Get in while it's still the before time, uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. Um, Branch start rocks for campfire. Get it. Uh, we just had some press today. Adam already talked about it. Um, but other than that, brain emoji, handshake emoji.